0: This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today we figure out what the Braves' best weapon is. Welcome in. Happy Friday, everybody. Final day of my vacation here in Florida. And yes, it's a little brisk out this morning here. As you can see, the breeze in the background and the final day of this gorgeous view here. But we will be uh, wrapping things up here from the road back to Atlanta coming up over the weekend. So back in my studio coming up next week. Appreciate you guys uh, spending this first full week with us here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Free on YouTube, search Locked On Sports Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch up with everything that we do all day long. And certainly appreciate you guys spending some time with us today. First segment of the show brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for your betting needs and sports info. Find out all the latest sports developments including this week's Masters Championship odds as they continue to change and evolve. We'll get to that later in the show. But podcasts and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, speaking of game starting. It was opening day last night at Truist Park in Atlanta. Unfortunately, the Braves did not win as they lose to Cincinnati 6-3, to but you had the great pregame ceremonies. You know, they they unveiled the 2021 championship flag or banner or whatever you want to call it up there at Truist Park. And look, a lot, great fanfare, a lot of energy. Truist Park looks amazing on TV, especially at night. You know, this was a a moment for the Braves that – a lot of Braves fans have waited, obviously, a very long time for. So congratulations to uh, all the Braves fans who got to experience that both at Truist Park and at home last night. But a couple of observations about the game. Um, you know, this is a lineup that was built to score runs, right? We know that. Um, even the acquisition of Matt Olsen, but as I mentioned, the return of Marcelo Zuna, uh, even though you lose Freddie Freeman, you still got Austin Riley. And obviously, Acuna is going to come back at some point in time. This is a lineup that was built to score runs. I only get four hits last night. That's going to happen, right? Uh, What you don't want is for that to happen over the extended period and the long haul, because then you're going to see uh, you're going to start losing more games and you're winning. But I'm not even worried about that at this point in time. You know, the other observation uh, that I took away as to why, uh, well, not why they lost last night, but the other observation I took away from last night was the bullpen was built to be the strength of this team, or at least one of the major strengths of this team. And, it didn't work out last night the way we wanted it to um, because Colin McHugh comes in in a 3-1 game. And oh, by the way, Max Freed wasn't terrible last night at all. Um, he only had 84 pitches through five and two-thirds. And, and if Snitker probably wanted to try to let him get out of that that sixth inning, he had a chance to do it. Uh, I get why he went to the bullpen again. That's the team's strength. So I understand completely why he went to the bullpen and, and why he made the moves that he made. Uh, At that time, plus, again, with the truncated spring training, you know, a lot of managers aren't going to push uh, starters to go deep into games, at least yet. At this point, we know that from Snicker throughout his managerial career, right? Early on in the season, he does not let his starters go deep. Uh, We've seen that over the last couple of years. So I don't think Freed was terrible. But Colin McHugh comes in with two runners on and two outs and has to get one more out to get out of it and leave it in a 3-1 game in a managerial spot. Doesn't happen. Gives it the home run. Now it's 6-1 and boom, you know the game feels and looks out of reach. But I said yesterday on the show, earlier in the week, I can't remember what it was, but, you know, like an ideal spot for this Braves team is to be in that situation, like down a run or two in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, because that's where this lineup is going to really do what they do really well. And you saw that last night, Austin Riley hits a two-run bomb. Makes it 6-3. Now, again, you can be in game all day long, but if Colin McHugh gets to that, Austin Riley is to homer you know, is now a three game and the Braves are sitting in the driver's seat with a better lineup and a better bullpen and, you know, way to go out and win that thing. Um, And that's the way this team is put together. But that was an ideal spot for them last night. Now, I think if you watch the Braves this year and you start to track this, then the amount of runs they're going to score in the seventh, eighth and ninth innings this year should be some of the highest in baseball. Just a prediction that I think that that's the way this team is constructed. They're going to score runs late. They're going to score runs early. They're going to score runs in the middle. They're going to score runs late. They're going to score in all nine innings of the game. But this is why this team is constructed the way it is. This is why this bullpen is supposed to be this way. Because McHugh is supposed to hand it off to somebody else. And then, you know, they hold them to three runs for the rest of the game. So when your starter doesn't have a great game and doesn't get you the quality start, doesn't go six innings, three runs or less, um, you're in a situation where your bullpen carries you and then the lineup does the rest, right? Like that's the way this whole thing was planned out. And I think that's something that is definitely, you know, uh, a way that they're going to win a lot of games this year. The other thing that I took away from last night, um, more than anything, was Spencer Strider. Um, if you weren't paying close attention, and you should have been, but if you weren't paying close attention, and I want to pull this, this tweet up here, uh, Spencer Strider was absolutely amazing last night. Um, two innings. 5Ks, 24 total pitches, 16 strikes. Um, this is what they call in the baseball business a weapon, a very legitimate weapon. Um, this is something that is going to be – it's going to take a lot of people by surprise. Now, we here in Atlanta, we, we've, we've seen him. We, we know him. We know exactly who he is. But for anybody who's outside Atlanta or uh, plays fantasy baseball, if you're a fantasy nerd, uh, you go pick up Spencer Strider. And stash him on your bench right now because he's going to be one of the guys that uh, is absolutely a weapon for this team. And I I want to pull up this Buster Only tweet, just give me a second here, Um, because I thought it was amazing. And he's spot on and he absolutely encapsulated exactly what uh, he is able to do. And here's Buster Only's tweet. The Braves lost their open to the Reds and Tyler Maly, whatever his name is. But the potency of the bullpen weapon was fully revealed in Spencer Strider's two innings. His fastball is absurd, 100-plus miles per hour, top of the zone. He could help fill innings left behind by the injured Luke Jackson. Help fill innings? Wow. Uh, I looked at that and go, that's my eighth inning guy. Whether Kensley Jansen is the ninth or it's Will Smith, I'm like, that's my eighth inning guy right there. That's the guy that when I hand the ball over to, I make sure my closer gets a clean ninth inning. That's the guy that, you know, when I need a big spot and a big out, that's the guy that they go to. Like, it feels like that. Maybe I'm overselling this a little early, considering it's one game in the season. But just, you know, there are guys you can tell. And again, I remember feeling that way. And I, I know this is a lavish comparison, but I remember feeling that way about Mariano Vera. You could just see early on that he was, he could get anybody out. Like, it was just, it was unreal. Like, you weren't going to be able to hit this kid. Um, you know, much similar to Roldish Chapman. I guess that's a better one you know, when you throw that hard, it's just guys are are off balance uh, and, and hitters look foolish. And this is a kid, I think, depending on how they want to use him, depending on what they want to do with him, is he going to be a starter at some point? Could he end up being a closer at some point? I mean, he's got so many tools uh in his tool bag that you could use him a lot of different ways. I mean, obviously I think this year he'll probably be relegated to a bullpen role, maybe a spot star role here and there, but That is a weapon. Look out for Spencer Strider. He is going to be a guy that uh, that's going to get going to become a household commodity very, very quickly for uh, the Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball. Spencer Strider. Keep that name in your back pocket, folks. All right. Coming up next. uh, What is the Falcons plan going forward in this offseason? And what does it tell me about the draft that's coming up next right here? on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and search Locked On Sports Atlanta wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked on ATL. Of course, follow me at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Love to interact with you guys there. Uh, love to see that you guys are getting involved here on in Locked on Sports Atlanta as we launch this thing. So many great shows here on this Locked on Network, including right here in Atlanta. Don't forget about John Chukri's Hitting Hard and Teneitra and Jarvis Davis, ATL Day 1s. All that right here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. And certainly... I'm glad you guys are taking part in A to Z, and I'm very happy to be back with you on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, every single day. Right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Again, free on YouTube. Just search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can hear this show every single day. This segment brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar. You know, it's that time of year where, you know, you might be letting your New Year's resolutions go. You might not feel like you're being as healthy as you want to be. Well, that's where Built Bar comes in. Replace Built Bar and make it part of your everyday regimen for a snack, for a treat, something when you're hungry. It is absolutely 100% one of the best bars out there. Why? Because it tastes great, but it's also really healthy for you. And have you guys tried Puffs yet? Puffs, you're missing out. It's one of the best features about Built Bars. They're protein-infused marshmallow. Yes, they've even made marshmallow protein. Fluffy, marshmallow not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and every Built Bar covered in 100% chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite. They have some incredible flavors like cinnamon and churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They have a flavor for everybody. And go to their website, Built.com, and check out their macros chart. If you count macros... Uh, and if you don't know what macros are hit me up on twitter and i'll I'll give you guys a a quick lesson but you count your macros built bars are amazing 130 calories four grams of sugar just four net carbs 17 grams of protein this is a protein bar that doesn't feel like a protein bar but works just like one they come in so many different flavors mint brownie coconut coconut almond and new for this month white chocolate cookies and cream delicious built bar they make them taste good first then they figure out how to make them healthy that's exactly what they've done go to Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com and the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order of Built Bars. All right, Uh, let's get to the Atlanta Falcons here because um, my good friend Michael Rothstein, who writes for ESPN.com, was asked, you know, and again, uh, some of this stuff is like for internet clicks. I'm not sure a lot of these writers 100% believe that these trades or these ideas are viable, but, you know, it's kind of the way the ESPN conglomerates all of their football writers from across the country to get to pitch into a story. And the story they wanted them to pitch into was the trade, possible trade of DK Metcalf, who may be on his way out of Seattle uh, in the final year of his deal as Seattle goes into a rebuild and they figure out what they're going to do. And Rothstein put together uh, a trade for the Atlanta Falcons to acquire DK Metcalf. And and I, and I apologize to Michael, I forget hundred percent what it is, but I think it was like a second round pick and a fourth round pick in 2022 and maybe like another pick in 2023, whatever it was for DK Metcalf. And the logic makes sense um, from the standpoint of, you know, it gives Arthur Smith this big body receiver like he had in Tennessee with AJ Brown, uh, another compliment to Kyle Pitts, you know, the Falcons get some weapons on the offensive end that they desperately need because their wide receiver room is like a laughing stock right now in the NFL. And so I don't listen on the surface, and, and and I think Mike would agree to a certain extent. This trade isn't viable. Um, I don't know that it's the best thing for the Falcons right now to give up assets. They likely can't extend DK Metcalf, uh, not because they won't have the salary cap space, because he doesn't want to play here. So it would be a franchise tag situation. Um, but as I've told you, the best place for the Falcons to address this free agents or this wide receiver room is in free agency next year. There's way too many high level wide receiver free agents next offseason. Now, some of these guys may get traded again, DK Metcalf being one of them. Um, and there's always an option where guys are going to get traded and extended before that happens, but you can't play that game right now. You just have to put it in your plan. That wide receiver is not something we're going to address uh, at this point in time, because, well, we, we might not be as viable as we want. Um, and Arthur Smith as a coach may be screaming at Terry Fontenau, go, I need guys, I need guys, I need guys. And I, and I totally get it. And I totally understand it. But, you know, you have to do things in a certain order. You have to do one thing at a time when it comes to building a roster and rebuilding a roster. And I don't know if the Falcons are at the point right yet where um, trading away assets is the smartest thing to do. And as I said, I think as they go through this rebuild, assets are the most important thing, right? They have to have commodities now to help this team build forward. I also good folks at the Falcoholic, uh, something that I didn't even realize once I said, yeah, that makes sense. It has been 10 years since the Falcons drafted a quarterback, 10 years. And that quarterback was Sean Renfrey, Renfree, Renfrey. Why am I bad with names today? I have no idea. Anyway, seventh round pick, played two games for the Falcons, both of them in 2015, and he's out of the league. The more I think about this, and yes, full disclosure, I was a huge proponent of the Falcons drafting a quarterback last year because I thought it was a better quarterback class and uh, it was the opportunity to do it when you're picking fourth overall. Uh, for a variety of reasons, needed a successor to Matt Ryan. But 10 years, you haven't drafted a quarterback. The more I look at this, and as I said, you know, getting a wide receiver in free agency next year, you got to have a quarterback. Wide receivers want to play with a guy who can get them the ball. Nobody wants to go play with Andy Dalton. <laughs> they just don't. like. Nobody wants to go play with Ryan Fitzpatrick. What? NFL wide receivers aren't saying, trade me to wherever Fitz is playing. Like, that's, it's just not happening. And, and the idea that the Falcons haven't drafted a quarterback in 10 years, moreover to me, says, change the narrative. You have a new GM. You have this new regime. Change the narrative. Like, And it's also a sign that maybe Arthur Blank isn't involved in any of this. Right? Like that he's finally going to step back and let the football people do the football things because go get a quarterback now. As I said, throw the kid to the wall. See if he can play. If you swing and miss, so what? You're in a rebuild. You're going to have to go get another one anyway. I mean, the, the, the Falcons, I'm sorry, the Falcons, rather, the Dolphins traded for Josh Rosen and then drafted Tua. Like, I mean, it, it's uh, the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen. Then you year later drafted Kyler Murray. Like, so what? It doesn't have to define you. I get it. When you're a GM and you're a, you're a young head coach, if you swing and miss on a quarterback, it, it could cost you your job. And I totally understand that. But if you don't have a quarterback, it's going to cost you your job anyway. You have to get the quarterback first in the NFL. There are very few teams and very few franchises who turn around and build a ready-made roster and then go find the quarterback. I mean, even Indianapolis, they had a ready-made roster before they even went to Phillip Rivers. They had a ready-made roster. They got Andrew Luck first. Then they built the roster. And then when Andrew Luck retired, then they got Phillip Rivers. Then they got Carson Wentz. Now they got Matt Ryan. Like They built the roster around a young quarterback. That's the way you have to do it. And the more I think about this, the more I feel like they have to draft a quarterback. At some point in time, you have to address this issue in the draft. You just you you don't have you don't have a choice. There's nobody who's going to come here with a bare roster to play. You have to build around a young quarterback. It's what the Bengals did with Joe Burrow. It's what the Chargers did with Justin Herbert. Like you have to build around a young quarterback. Why are the Ravens so successful? Because they had their franchise quarterback, a guy who won a Super Bowl. You know what they did? They drafted Lamar Jackson anyway. Because you have to build around a young quarterback. I don't know how much simpler this has to be for Falcons fans. I don't know how much simpler this has to be for the Falcons organization. If they can't see this, then you have the wrong GM. Push your chips to the center of the table, go all in, and draft a quarterback. And if you miss, guess what? In 2023, you go draft another one. It's that simple. You have to be willing to do this. If you're not willing to do it, this this thing will never turn around. As I said earlier in the week, you're going to be bad for a very, very, very long time. You have to make a move. The more I think about it, the more I talk about it, I'm convincing myself here. If they don't draft a quarterback in the first round, what the hell are you doing? What is the plan? Because I have no idea what it is. You can't sell me on the idea that we're going to build up all these other position groups and then go get a quarterback. You may as well say, we're not going to win any games this year. I mean, could Marcus Mariota be a viable quarterback for a season or two? Maybe, but I just don't think that's the smartest plan. I really, really don't. It's it, to me, it is absolutely a head scratcher uh, to do it anything other than get the quarterback first. All right, coming up next, uh, I will hand out a shovel of wisdom. Boy, it's going to be fun, and I'll eat a little bit of crow. I'm not ready to read eat all of it but we'll do that next final segment a to z coming up right here on locked on sports atlanta welcome back a to z here on locked on sports atlanta on this friday final day of my vacation here in florida headed back to atlanta certainly appreciate you guys bearing with these awful conditions that i've been sitting in uh for this whole week but certainly uh uh, glad that you guys have chosen to make a to z part of your daily regimen and certainly uh excited to get back to uh, atlanta where we got a lot of things going on, uh, including the Masters. We'll get to that coming up in a minute. But I do want to hand out a shovel of wisdom here today, and uh, we'll get all the, you know, audio version of my shovel of wisdom back as normal. But uh, the shovel of wisdom today is going to go to the NFL. <laughs> oh, dear Lord! So I just, you know, it's amazing how much the NFL doesn't really give a rip what you think as a fan like they say they are they don't even try to hide it they don't they're not even you know like shy about telling you they just don't care what you think about anything that they do and they'll still take your money and you'll still give it to to them and they know about it so uh reliance uh and there's a, a reliance is a let me just figure out what they are real quick Um, They partner with a wide range of organizations to improve their cultures and create environments free from sexual accident, misconduct and abuse. So Reliance says April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And the theme this year is building safe online spaces together. Learn how you can create a safe online community, whether that's a workplace, a classroom or a social event. That was their their tweet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And of course, the NFL quote tweeted and said, we are proud to support our partner Reliance in their critical work. Yeah, Uh, NFL does not give a rip what you think. They are so proud to support Reliance that they haven't even placed Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt list yet. I'm not saying Deshaun Watson is guilty. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. What I am saying is that there are allegations against him for sexual misconduct by 22 different women. And as a league, you haven't even openly addressed this yet. Not once. Not only did you not address it, you allowed a trade to go through for the player um, and didn't bat an eye and have never addressed it as a league yet. I mean, again, they don't care how you feel. And if you're a female and you're a female fan of the NFL, sometimes I don't know how you stomach it. I I really don't. Like, I mean, I'm kind of nauseated by the whole thing in general, just the fact that they can be so obtuse about, you know, screaming about how much they they care about their fans and, and they care about female and they want female support and they have football one-on-one for women every team does this little football one-on-one thing and you know tries to cater to women this that and the other and the minute they have a player in the nfl who's charged with sexual misconduct sexual assault whatever it may be sexual violence uh, yeah we're just gonna let this one lie <laughs> we're just not we're not gonna say anything we're not gonna do anything we'll let the legal process play out that's their mantra Oh, dear Lord, it's nauseating. I don't know how you folks put up with it. I I, just, I, I give you females a lot of credit who keep coming back because I would have given a middle finger to the NFL a long time ago and walked away because you don't care about me. Like, I, I wish they would at least just say it. I, I could deal with it better if they just said it. Like, you know what, women, we don't care what you think. We, we, have, we have no desire to even cater to your worries about sexual assault. Yeah, we're just going to do what we do. And and that's essentially what they do do. And, and everybody has to buy into it. So. There's my shovel for the day. All right. Some people online on Twitter yesterday, again, follow me on Twitter at Mark Zitto, wanted to give me a shovel of wisdom for prior to the Masters teeing off, uh, saying I wouldn't place my money on Tiger Woods. And he goes out and fires a 71 in round one of the Masters, and he is near the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, buddy. Uh, good for Tiger. He played well yesterday. Um, he, he, he clearly could still hit the ball, His putting is as it's ever been. That's really the thing, I think, that, that has separated Tiger now from a couple of years ago, His putting is on point. Um, your, your leader is is Im, uh, the Korean guy, uh, and he is five under. Uh, what a round he had for Sung Jae Im. Uh, and even Cam Smith from Australia had an amazing first round. This is crazy if you didn't watch this. Cam Smith double bogeyed the first hole, double bogeyed the last hole, and still finished four under. If you do the math, yeah, that's eight birdies in between. That's pretty good. Uh, so it was a great day for Tiger, and you could tell the course is just juiced. Um, and, and while I'm not going to sit here and, uh, you know, back off my statement about I don't think Tiger Woods is going to win this thing because I don't, uh, and I will say that there are 54 holes left, and today's conditions are going to be incredibly tough at Augusta, especially because Tiger went from a morning round to an afternoon round. The winds at Augusta today are supposed to pick up heavily especially in the afternoon so those all those folks playing in the afternoon may have a tough time scoring and have a much more difficult challenging course than they did on thursday uh and that's going to change some scores a lot and you know this is a day here where you really have to be consistent before you get to saturday which is moving day so uh, look i i want tiger to be competitive um i don't think it's ever bad for golf when tiger is competitive i do have a little bit of tiger fatigue i've said that before but i will also tell you that um you know, him being having one good round at 71 doesn't mean he's going to be in this thing. And the idea that all of a sudden he's um, back or, or anything, I, I just, I need to see more. I need to see more. And my biggest contention was it's not where I'd put my money, right? Like I just said, it's not where I'd put my money. I didn't feel like it was a good value bet on Tiger because I, I haven't seen him play golf in 14 months or 18 months, whatever it's been. And a guy almost lost his leg in a, in a car accident. So, I needed to see a little bit more when it counts, when it matters from Tiger before I was going to put money behind him. That doesn't mean he can't win or he shouldn't win or I'm hating on Tiger. Just my stance is I wouldn't put my money on. So uh, I did put my money, my money on Dustin Johnson though to finish top five. He also had a good round. Uh, the 2020 Masters champ looked very good yesterday. Uh, so I, I hope he can continue it and we'll see. Uh, we'll see there. My two favorite golfers, Jordan Speed, Brooks Kepka did not have great first days. Kepka was uh, near the top of the leaderboard. Uh, for the first 10 holes, and he fell apart on the back nine. And uh, we'll see how he shapes up today uh, for uh, his second round. So continued coverage of the Masters. Of course, when we come back on Monday, we'll have a champion, and uh, we'll we'll recap all that with the Masters. Uh, Final thought here real quick. As the Hawks get set to play Miami tonight, uh, Hawks right now catching two points. As I've said multiple times this week, this is going to be a real test. And, oh, by the way, this could be a first-round matchup for the Hawks against the Heat. I don't like the spot. The Hawks are bad on the road. Uh, I'm going to back Miami and and swallow the two points here. And I think they win against a short number and cover. But I hope the Hawks can figure out a way to get a win. And the only way that they get wins against good defensive teams like Miami is if Trey Young goes off. If Trey Young has a huge 35, 40-point night, the Hawks can win this game because he can't be slowed down. And there's not really an answer for him defensively. If he doesn't have that night, Hawks are going to struggle uh, unless they get a huge night from multiple other players, whether it's uh, Bogey or Herder or uh, Hunter, whoever it may be. They're going to need uh, you know a couple of the guys to be in the 20s along with Trey to be able to, to take on a good defensive team like Miami. So um, let's see what happens. Again, if the Hawks go 2-0 and in their final two games and any combination of Brooklyn and Cleveland going 1-1, Hawks will get the seventh seed and they'll host the uh, first round of the play-in tournament at State Farm Arena, which would be the ideal circumstance. Keep our fingers crossed. Uh, so we'll know more of all of this by Monday when we're back here on A to Z. To recap it all, again, thank you so much for spending a, a week with me here on my vacation back in our Atlanta studios on Monday. You guys enjoy the weekend. It's going to be an amazing weekend of sports. And we'll be back on Monday with ADZ right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta wherever you get your podcasts. You guys have a great weekend. Don't tell any crap anybody. See ya.